hello, one and all, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Kirkenbauer Half an Hour to the Second Power. I'm Bill Kirkenbauer, and the other voice you're going to hear is Jason Willette, my associate here on this uh, podcast. Yeah. There, that's him. That's what he does. <laughs> that's what I pay him for. And you know what? I don't pay him. <laughs> All right. So it's uh, it's another podcast. Um, we hope to roll these out once. So, you know, once we get these out, uh, we're yep. going to have to start hitting the, you know, we've been a little bit liberal. Last week, last week I tried to do it, and I was in a really bad mood, folks. Maybe one day, maybe one day when I get to know you real well, I'll play this. I was just so pissed off about it; just didn't work. It was like hate. I had things going on in my life. Was uh, you know, I hate getting caught in the middle. You know, that's one of the words, and you can be caught in the middle of all sorts of things. You get caught in the middle of a relationship, or two friends arguing, or a car accident and stuff like that. I hate getting caught in the middle because that means you have no control. <laughs> if you're the other person having a problem, then at least you can handle the you know the left side. But when you're in the middle and people put you in the middle, uh, it's a very uncomfortable position. And I, and I don't like it because you're having to communicate with uh, two people that hopefully can communicate. And you're, you're in the middle. You're stuck in the middle. I Absolutely. That, that's a good name for a song. Stuck. Yeah, you know, somebody ought to if, write something like that. If only you were along, they'd be stuck yeah. in the middle with with you. And they could um, they could they could set a nice movie scene about somebody getting their ear cut off to it. I think that would be a great <laughs> bit of uh, what do you call that juxtaposition, right? I guess so. I don't know. I just I just don't. And I was in a situation last week where I was stuck in the middle, and it was really irritating because I was stuck in the middle. So. <laughs> but you know the show must go on. I don't know why I came here tonight, or not. <laughs> <clears throat> I was thinking about some uh, stuff. You know, we got to go over some of the questions that people have been asking. I got like tons of Quora questions. Oh yeah. And uh, oh, by the way, this you're is way into the, you're way this into is, the Quora thing. I know. Uh, this is the Kirkenbauer half an hour to the second power, uh, which is brought to you by uh, CAD Audio. We have a sponsor, aren't we lucky? CAD Audio makes fine audio equipment like the microphone I'm speaking to you on now. And um, they are fine audio at a fair price. And they are our sponsors here at the Kirkenbauer half an hour, which makes them very intelligent people. Yes. And they make a good product. They do. You may have a minute. You might have a day, a month is much too much, or wouldn't you say? A second is too short, an eon too long, a week is just stupid, and so is this song. I was going over pro, uh, subjects. You know, we, we like to pick a subject. We like to kind of look like we at least have a plan. Uh, so uh, I thought, I don't know, these things hit me during the course of a week. And if I'm lucky and fast enough, I write them down. Sure. But um, I want to talk about, and everybody has this, whether you're a man or a woman, your first car. Oh. What was your first car? I had a Dodge Omni. I think it was like an 88. And I had it when I was in college, and it Did was. Your parents get it for you? No, no. You I, bought it I, with eight hundred dollars. Oh, 
<laughs> I bought this piece of shit. And oh, really? Six, was it? six months later, I had to get into the habit of parking it on a hill. I did that too. So I could pop the clutch yes, to get I it started. Yes. My first one was a 66 Volkswagen Bug. And my, my dad bought it. He said he bought it for him, but I had pretty much exclusive use. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what he paid. My, my, my dad paid $800 for it. It was a 1966 red. It was nice. You know, it was a basic car. And I got to the same. I, I got so I could, ju- uh, what do you call that? Popping the clutch or jump starting yeah. it? Or, right. Well, it's yeah. popping the clutch. I used clutch. to have my friends push me. But then I figured out if I just let it, I'd let the clutch out and start going back down the hill long enough <laughs> i could put and pop it right and start like that so i always had to park in a hill there were a, a few whole... places on campus that were on an incline and i had them all memorized right right <laughs> but i had this uh, red volkswagen bug and oh man i i uh, i just uh, at first i took pride in it and then after a while it was just such a you know it's a real basic car the engine if yeah. you wanted at this time if you wanted to replace the engine i think it was about 200 bucks <laughs> you know <laughs> god it's a real basic thing and i remember the one thing i remember about it and if anybody's had volkswagen bugs before the old ones now right right down at that the the, the on the passenger side on the floorboard where there's like this, you know, the leaning part that goes mm-hmm. from the floor up to the, that, a lot of people didn't know, but there was a rubber mat there that if you pulled back, there was a plate there that was the part that was leaning and you right. could take this plate away. And that was a great place to hide your pot. No. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a, I mean, I don't know what the Nazis, you know, developed this. Maybe they figured out that where you can hide passports there or something. I don't know. Uh, but it was like this little stash place. And you know somebody planned this. Right. It just kind of came off of it. But that's the one thing I remember about it. We used to, <laughs> I used to take with my buddies. We'd go out and this is Florida now. We would go out into these uh, the woods, the equivalent of woods in Florida, which was really just kind of like sand and some trees and had a lot of dunes kind of. And I would just run that thing. Over. I beat, beat the shit out of the uh, oh. springs on it. But and, and then I remember getting out of it and kind of like they do now. They get outside of it and ride on top of it and steer from the roof. <laughs> just crazy shit with it. But it was a great car. And I, I had one accident with it. Oh, it was, no. my, my parents were out of town. And I, um, <laughs> you can't write this. I, I, I was, I was going into a left turn lane and I ran into the, now not fast, but I ran into the back of a car, mm-hmm. probably going maybe 10 miles an hour. It wasn't that big, but I'd never hit another car before. And I jumped out and, uh, I went to this car in front of me and it was a black family mother or father and two kids and they just all come from the ice cream store oh they all had ice cream cones <laughs> and i hit them <laughs> when i got to that i had all i could do to keep from laughing oh no because they all had these ice cream stones <laughs> who had been pushed into their face <laughs> and uh and I was, because I was apologetic, I didn't want him to sue me or anything. <laughs> he was very nice about it. But okay. I remember looking in there and seeing four, these four people, this family sitting in there, all, and a couple of them didn't bother I really to take the cones away. They still kind of had them. They're like, they were thinking about what had just happened. And uh, anyway, I apologized, and the guy was nice about it. And I, 
and I said, but I, uh, his car was all right. My, mine had a little bit of dent in it, but uh, mm. I, that was a scene that I, I would put in a movie. <laughs> my, my first car accident. Let's see, how many car accidents have I been in? Have you been, have you ever been in a car accident? Sure, sure. Nothing, nothing like major. devastating. Major. Yeah. I mean, there was one time. There was one time, maybe fifteen years ago, that I hydroplaned, going oh, at well, speed on the fun. highway. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was just, it was like this little depression underneath an overpass as I was coming mm -hmm. towards Nashua from Massachusetts. And I hit this, I don't know, maybe 20 feet around, like, lagoon of water. Right. And uh, I spun all the way around oh, wow. and just hit my ass against the guardrail and the whole back half of this toyota echo was destroyed and you know toyota, toyota echoes are not big cars they're just echo? little tiny echo yeah little compact thing it was kind of their you know their little remember in like the mid-2000s ugly compact cars were in yeah it, you know like the, they had the, the Hugo, things the, like something like the that. fit and then the scion they still make the then, fit yeah yeah but there was this there was the toyota echo <clears> was kind of their answer to like the College graduate, first car, you know, first new car, and, you know, it was like fifteen, sixteen thousand. dollars $16,000. Anyway, yeah. it got fucked up beyond all recognition. But they still didn't total it because I'd only had it for less than a year. Oh. Well, so they actually took car. it in and replaced everything on oh. it. And it was, you know. So, I mean, I, it was I, practically a new car, but if I had to get rid of it, I'd have to say it was in a wreck. So it was, you know, <clears throat> oh, yeah. whatever. That way only you know it was. I've run into the back of uh, a couple people. <laughs> I haven't had an accident now for, I'm trying to remember the last one. I, I think it's been a good 20 years or so since mm -hmm. I've been. Yeah, me too. And, and I'm an aggressive driver. You think Really? Yeah, I'm a pretty aggressive. I, I, but I, I'm a good driver in mm -hmm. that I, I, I always signal when I change lanes. Mm -hmm. I always stop at stop signs. Yep. I speed sometimes i don't sit in the left hand lane that's the big thing that here uh, where i live now people are complaining about people that sit in the left hand lane and just kind of you mm. know but i don't do that i'm not I, all in all but i'm very aware driver i i see ahead of me well you know i had driver's ed they don't do that anymore no they of course don't they give do driver's ed nobody no, they don't i don't think so unless you're a really rich uh, school system, and I live in one that's pretty well financed, and I don't uh, think they have driver's ed. Well, you know what? Yeah, you know, the, the school system that I took driver's ed in was rather, you know, rather well affluent, I guess you would right. say. Well, but, but they uh, don't do that anymore. They don't have cars where they go out and drive. That's not something that uh, I took driver's ed in Davenport, Iowa, and they had a simulator. That was pretty good. They had cars, <laughs> and, and they had a simulator. They had a trailer. With all these, you know, it was like a ride at Disneyland, you know, where you're going on the street and you're pushing on. It, was, but it wasn't really like a car. It was like a Mickey Mouse version of a car, but it was a simulator. And it was it was pretty cool. But, you know, you learn that kind of stuff. You know, but now people think it's a big deal that you don't signal or things like that. But I've, I've only been in a couple car accidents. Uh, th thank goodness, you know. I mean, uh, the way people drive. You know, there are drive. some days when it feels like everybody's out to fucking kill you. Yeah. Well, if everybody would coordinate, you know, eventually somebody showed me a science fiction version of something. Uh, 
that I thought was an interesting concept. Mm-hmm. Let me see if I can describe it to you. It was, I don't know, some future writer wrote this. Basically, what it was, was a series of, like, if you picture a freeway, yep. you know, one one going in one direction, one going the other. Sure. On each side, instead of, you know, three or four lanes, you've got about eight or 12, now this is for people walking, eight or 12 walking sidewalks, moving uh-huh. sidewalks, okay? And and you get on from the right, and it's not going to, it's like a ride at Disneyland, you know, the haunted house. Yep. You get on that walking sidewalk, and, and not, now you're going three miles an hour or whatever it's comfortable to get onto that one. Yep. Then you move on to the other one next to it, which is going three miles faster or whatever the comfortable. And so you keep doing this, and as you move to the left, now all of a sudden you're going 40 miles, 50 miles, 60 miles an hour. Uh-huh. And so people, but, uh, and, and then when you saw you wanted to get off, you just gradually kind of moved to the right, and then you'd get back down to speed. And I thought that was kind of an interesting, If I think if we could do that with cars, because people are still, I mean, just, you go to the grocery store and you see people can't stand out of the way. So, mm-hmm. you know, and even at the airports, even though, again, people, you're supposed to uh, stand to the right, walk to the left, stand to the right. So if everybody would do that, but see, we're dealing with humans and uh, there's the problem. That's always a you know, problem the, when humans are involved. Oh, yeah. Anytime you put the, but you know, th- that's what's going to be so great about uh, these self driving cars. I think I mean, we're just, only looking at like five years until they really start rolling them out, right? I, I think so. Yeah. yeah, I think so. But think what this is going to do to a lot of stuff that the uh, uh, concerns uh, businesses that have to do with people driving badly. The insurance business. Now, if we can get it down, so there's no accidents anymore. Yep. People don't have why because there's computers in charge, and they've taken the human part of it out. So now right. there's no accidents. Oh my God, there's no accidents. Nobody needs insurance anymore. This is what oh, you don't send those guys home with their dick in their hand. This and is what, what you about call... all the car repair places? That's right. Oh, there's no more accidents. What are we gonna do? Nobody fucks up their car anymore. What are we gonna do? You know? So it's gonna change things a lot i think for the better because you got to take when you take that human aspect out then you know i i think it'll have a huge impact on the way we drive cars or don't drive cars for that matter yeah this is what you call a disruptive technology because it's going to affect entire economies i mean think about trucking shipping right yeah those guys those guys are done Oh, as soon as right. as soon as autonomous vehicles oh, are yeah. are you doing that, I think yeah. they're doing. I saw a thing where they had a truck that was moving by itself. Uh huh. Wow. That, that, yeah, that's that's the shipping and all of that. It's going to move. change the entire way we do things as a species. Yeah. You know, it's going to be it's going to be the most disruptive technology. As a species, yet. I thought you said feces. <laughs> as a species of feces. <laughs> The species of feces. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty uh, amazing. Again, I just you know I, I every time I wake up I go well I made it to the future. <laughs> I made it to the future. I remember what it used to look like. I was long. Let's see. Somebody uh, you know uh, somebody was uh, talking the other day on a show I was listening to, and they were talking about how one of the I think it was L.A. Mm-hmm. or maybe New York trying to get rid of Lyft and Uber. And they jogged a memory that I had forgotten, which is, uh, especially living in L.A., maybe other places, not this bad, but I remember in L.A., when you wanted a cab, you had to call them and hope they could get there in 45 minutes to a half hour. Right. 
if you and sometimes I remember calling like I'd have to call a cab the night before to make sure that they would come and pick me up uh, the next morning and prayed they did and a couple times they didn't but this guy reminded me about how bad have picking up a cab and iffy and timely it was and just wasn't really good at all well, how long has uber, uber been around uber's only been around like five six i years, know but right? uh, so. I, and, and you know when i first heard about it i thought well that's stupid just go be a cab driver <laughs> just, just go go be a cab driver you know that's like uh but uh, i've been using it more i went to vegas and i used it it's... i went to new york i used it and um, it's great because you can, and uh, when I go to Bangkok, I, I, I use it. They use it a lot. They have another one called Grab that is for motorcycle taxis. Wow. Which is something I won't write on. You actually but, get um, on the back of a motorcycle with a guy? Oh, yeah, because they got, uh, yeah, motorcycle taxis. Very big in Asia, motorcycle taxis, because <sighs> number one, they can get in. If it's congested traffic, they can get in ah, and yes, move yes. around and stuff. Secondly, they're cheap. Mm-hmm. And uh, thirdly, they're everywhere. You just go outside and you can find one. Right. So you see a lot of a lot of motorcycles over there. In fact, I, in Vietnam, uh, you go to Saigon, I, I said while I was there, this is not a city of people. This is a city of motor, motorbikes. Uh-huh. And it really, truly is. A, it's just they're, they're up on the sidewalk. You can't. We have to walk on the street because they're parked on the sidewalk. They're like little mopeds, right? Like little two-stroke engines, yeah? Uh, yeah, oh. kind of little, little. Well, pe- some people have motorcycles, but right. the um, but the amount of two wheel transport. Oh, and and I've seen as many as five people on a motorbike. <laughs> I swear to God, I see it in Th- in Thailand. Not in fam- not at Cirque du Soleil, but like out on the streets. Oh yeah, right out on the street. <laughs> oh yeah. In fact, I have a book, a great book my son bought me a couple years ago. Uh, I forget what it's called, but what it is is a little picture book. Nice picture book, nice printing. It's all pictures of shit people carry on their motorbikes. Oh. In foreign, you just go, oh my God. Oh my God, these huge piles of stuff. And you'll see guys riding with other guys carrying a huge mirror. Or or some guys piled up a ridiculous amount of, mm. of bales of whatever. And then uh, some interesting stuff, which I think is actually great. Uh, there's what I call restaurant on a wheels which is somebody who has taken a motorbike and then fashioned, or I'm sure there's somebody that makes these, manufactures these, fashioned some sort of a sidecar type of a thing that has a uh, propane tank and a cooking thing and wow. all this. And it's, it's really a restaurant on a motorbike. See, I love and places with they, a really good like street food culture. God, oh, I'm so Bangkok into that. is incredible. So Bangkok, into that. It's just, it is like the... The street of uh, the trouble with going to China <laughs> and there's some of their street food is some of it you just go when you really look at it because we're used to sweet and sour pork and beef and stuff, but you get over to China, it, it gets real. I mean, it gets hardcore. A lot of the stuff you just go, hmm, no, I don't know about that. Well, I'm, I don't think I'm your average tourist. One of my favorite no, no, I don't places think to go is Chinatown in Boston. And man, you walk down oh, that yeah. street in this. Windows with just gorgeous lacquered ducks hanging oh, yeah. in the window. You know, in San Francisco, excuse me, in, San, in L.A., when I was in L.A., the uh, city council at one point decided that they were going to make the Chinese people in Chinatown quit making that duck. 
because Peking Duck, I think it's called, uh, because yeah. it was theoretically very toxic <laughs> with bacteria. For all intents and purposes, it should be like you know chicken laid out in the sun for but but for but they may have been making this for two thousand years. Yeah, that, and I, they've never had it. But that didn't stop the city council. So what they did was they made this law telling the Chinese people that you can't make that anymore because that's just too dangerous. It's going to, it's got, you know, and there was such an uproar and that they, and people just causing shit. And we've been making this for 2000 years. And so they've decided to reconsider and they went down there and they, they rescinded their, their edict because they just figured out, yeah, it should be bad, but. It isn't. You know, somebody once proved the five-second rule once, too. You ever heard, you know, the five-second rule if you drop something on the ground? Yeah, they said, somebody studied that and said, you know what? It's actually pretty true. Yeah. 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 Now, if you pick something up in five seconds, it's, probably, it's not going to be really much. It doesn't hurt it that bad. Now, I wouldn't do it in a men's room at a technical station. <laughs> well, I was going to say, when we're talking about restaurants, I'll go into a B. Hell, I'll go into a C. I don't care. Yeah, I, well, that's providing they have that. A lot of places they don't have those rating systems. Right. That's something that is initiated by the local, by the local uh, government. They don't, they don't. Not every place has ratings. I see it in a few it, cities. It's, here's yeah. here's my rule: if I go in there and there's nobody else in there, mm. I go hmm, and I have to say over the years of all the eating that I went into a restaurant, and I've eaten a lot of restaurants by myself with other people but I when I go into I got to the point where I would open up and look at it there was nobody in there I wouldn't go in and I think that still holds true it should be somebody now were there years in the in the 80s that you were a what they call a road comic where you were constantly yeah bing bong in between clubs yeah really I I started out when comedy as we know it now started out because up until uh the existence of the improv the comedy store that was pretty much it i mean it was either new york at the improv i think there might have been another comedy place uh in new york the cellar and the comedy store that was that was pretty much it right that that, i mean aside from nightclubs where lenny bruce used to appear in new york and uh you know the upstairs at the downstairs and that kind of a club and yep. maybe Vegas. There were no places where there was just comedy. You comedy people didn't know it. So the comedy store was really, and I was, I wasn't one of the original people at the comedy store. I think I came in, I'm going to say probably four years after it started. Uh, Cause there was some people there were at the very beginning um, but I came in, when I came in, t- the hot comic was uh, Tim Thomerson, who was the, who still worked the, the, the club there. He was, he was like, everybody just, uh, and he, yeah, he was amazing. He was an amazing performer. He went on to be an actor and, uh, yep. but he was, he would do these characters and these things. Tim, Tim was quite a talent, quite a dynamic talent. And then Freddie Prinze, of course, was, was oh, yeah. uh, had his show, and that was on the air. And he would come into the comedy store. And uh, Jimmy Walker, Jimmy J.J. Walker, yep. used to come into the store. And he would get up, and he was in it. So, so it was quite, uh, you know, Jay Leno 
was there because he had come from New York, but mm -hmm. nobody knew who he was. Mm -hmm. But he was good. He was great. He was very. Jay was, I mean, he was, he was at that, even though people were famous when people would go to see him and they say Jay Leno and they, I don't know who Jay Leno is. Uh, he always did a great show and people always, uh, but there were, there were probably, I'm going to take a guess and say there were 200 comedians hmm. that would come to the comedy store, get some dates sometimes because you would call in on Monday. Mm -hmm. you do. You'd call in and uh, to the thing say, uh, have I got any to get your times? Yeah. If you were lucky enough to get times. And so you call in on Monday and they'd say, okay, here's your times. You'd write your times down and then you'd show up and, uh, you know, hopefully within some period of that time, you'd get on stage. A lot of comedians used to go on forever. Um, they'd have the red light that they would show. Two minute light. But yeah, I mean, I got there when it was just happening. I play games on this forum, uh, the comedy forum, the comedy store, and there's another one called um, the comedy mm -hmm. comedy method. Yeah, uh, uh, Maxwell's method of comedy. Anyway, a lot of comedians subscribe to it. Um, but we we play a game called Name the Obscure Comedian, <laughs> and there was some really weird people that you know would come and be there for two or three months and not get anywhere or guys that did a couple of Merv Griffins and disappeared. And it was really a, some weird, weird people. And just, and so many people, Michael Keaton used to come up there and it was just, you know, it was quite a heyday. I mean, in retrospect, it was the, was the golden age of, of standup comedy. I'll even be honest, though there the were one clip I saw, though, I'll be honest, the one clip of Michael Keaton that I ever saw was not good. Oh really? Was not good. No. Well, what did you see him do? He he. I remember he used to do this bit, because evidently when he was in college or whatever, he, he was a member of a little troupe that used to go around and put on uh, shows for kiddies, for kiddies at uh, like elementary <laughs> roving schools. troubadours. Yeah, like like that kind of. Hey, we're gonna do Hansel and Gretel, or, and he had this bit about how he'd get stoned before he'd go out there. <laughs> and go, well, I I think he's tended to be. Uh, highly influenced by robert klein he had a he had a robert klein kind of a and i always which, found i always found his stuff very just oh robert I mean, klein was you accuse very, me of being too hip for the room that oh, guy holy yeah he shit. was well he was he kind of was a a collegiate comedy guy yeah he had he was kind of i don't know why i i, I guess he graduated from college but i always looked at him as more of an, as opposed to like a greenwich village type comedian or mm. you know like he, he kind of had this collegiate he always wore these sweaters and a jacket and he was very observational and i thought it was i've always been a huge robert klein fan i've always thought he was just uh i used to watch him on ed sullivan show and but you know there's some uh again obscure comedians guys that did uh ed sullivan two mm. or three times and and you never heard from them again, or or they went on, and I don't know. Yeah. Remember I, Stanley Myron Handelman? Go, no, <laughs> you wow. don't remember Stanley That's Myron crazy. Handelman? Yeah, you stumped me. Oh, he was uh, uh he, he he was kind of a Merv Griffin comedian because he was from New York, uh huh, and he was this nerdy, almost uh, Jerry Lewis Jewish type guy. Yeah. He would wear this little one of those hats that kind of clips at the front and he had big glasses and kind of bucky i mean he just he looked kind of like a jerry lewis with a hat and glasses on like the nutty professor 
Yeah, kind of like a nutty professor look. Uh-huh. Um, but he was a, he was very funny. He had, I remember this one joke he had. Uh, a lot of people pronounce words wrong. Like a lot of people will say milk. It's not milk, it's milk. And then a lot of people will say film. It's not film, it's milk. <laughs> That was the joke. That's good. And I remember thinking, wow, that's really, it's that's funny, really but absurd. it's really weird. Isn't yeah. that absurd? Well, he was, uh, and I met him a few times. And he was just a weird little guy. He had pretty um, pretty uh, good success. And then he got hit by a car in Los oh. Angeles at one point. And, and I guess it screwed him up pretty bad. And I don't think, and then, you know, he wanna, went away. And um, Sandy Barron, remember Sandy Barron? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he played. There's a, somebody wrote a story about him. He was uh, he was very successful too, and but it was kind of a sad story because he had, you know, one of these comedians. He I guess he lived out in the valley and he had a success and then he didn't and then he got on Seinfeld to play one of the neighbors or one of the asshole neighbors of his father or something, hmm. and had a little success. And this guy that had a restaurant, he would I guess kind of like a diner. Sandy Barron would come in there all the time and. Uh, and after he died, he realized that this guy that came in all the time was Sandy Barron. And oh, wow. the guy wrote this article about it. It was just, it was kind of sad, actually. Um, oh. But it was just, uh, there's so many great, Pat McCormick, remember Pat McCormick? I used certainly to be on the do, yeah. Show? Oh, big. Certainly. I've, I've been lucky enough to at least meet some of these. Uh, some yeah. of these. But it really was a, a comedy in Los Angeles and the, 70s and 80s was just busting out all over. I can't I think mean. of Pat McCormick without thinking of uh, um, the uh, Mel Brooks films. From uh... Uh, no, he used to he used to be a writer on uh, the Tonight Show. He was a huge guy, wasn't he? Big guy with a beard. He used to come on there every year as uh, um, the Baby New Year. Oh, he have a diaper on. Okay, it was a big guy. He was like six eight. Yes. And he was just weirder than shit. I mean, he <laughs> I, the stories I'd hear about him. I was and, thinking of somebody else shit. Oh, yes. And then, uh, of course, one of my favorites. Uh, Harvey Corman, that's who I was thinking of. Oh, Harvey Corman. I played gar- golf with Harvey Corman. You did? You do? Yeah, I, I did. I oh, did. Yeah. Uh, I was at a celebrity. I'll tell you a Harvey Corman story. I was working at uh, Carl Reiner. I don't know if he still does, but he used to have this uh, yearly golf tournament and weekend celebration down in this place right near oh, in Encinitas. No, it's a big uh, golf course uh-huh. like north of San Diego. It's a right there, uh, Oceanside. Mm. I forget. It's an area, La Costa, La Costa. I think that's it. La Costa, I think, is the name of the golf course. And it's a big resort. And it's a lot of famous people have gone there because it was near Del Mar, which was the, where the racehorses were. Mm. So way back in the 50s and stuff, uh, Desi Arnaz and a lot of the stars and stuff, they would go down to uh, the racetrack there and gamble, and then they'd go and stay at this resort. Anyway, so I, I'm, I'm digressing. So, so Carl Reiner had this big uh, celebrity golf tournament. <clears throat> and, and I don't know. People know about celebrity golf tournaments or why they exist, but basically they're fundraisers. Uh, they get a lot of local people who have money. Uh, you pay some money and you get to play with a celebrity. And, you know, some of these 
local business guys, they'd, uh, you know, they'd talk, come up with five grand or 10 grand or whatever to play with some big celebrity. And some poor schmuck paid a bunch of money to play golf with me and Harvey Corman. <laughs> oh, that does sounds good, though. I mean, actually, it was too. But that's how they do it. And then at night, they have a dinner. And then if your team wins, you might win some. I don't know. You did think so. I mean, every, I'm playing could, with golf. I, to do something like that, I'm not interested in playing golf. I'm interested in hanging out with, you know. Well, that's what you do. You my... get to hang out with big celebrities. I mean, yeah. think about it. You get to play golf with Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, you get to say that. So, and there's guys. Listen, there's guys that got a lot of fucking money around this country that you know own, own laundromats and uh, and drive-in theaters and mm -hmm. no, no, no drive-in theater bars and people. You know, have a lot of people. People forget there's really rich people in Davenport, Iowa. Right. So, uh, so they have these, they, and they pay this money, and they come and play. So, anyway, I was playing, and Harvey Corman was there. And we were on the last of 18. Now, I've played golf. My dad made me hate the sport because uh, he would make me go uh, caddy for him when we lived uh, in the Presidio in San Francisco. Yeah. And it was a, usually a, you know, a Saturday or a Sunday afternoon where I'd rather be playing with my friends. And I hated it. I really, but he'd give me a buck or two, so that was at least some, huh. some advantage to it. Sure, sure. But I, I really kind of learned not to like it. And later on, you know, sometimes you just gotta play golf. So we're playing golf, and I don't take it that seriously when I do it. Okay. No, 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 me neither. <laughs> not, me neither. It's been years, yeah. but no, me neither. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and plus, we used to have to walk. Uh, now they have the cart, so it's you know easy. So anyway, I'm playing uh, golf with Harvey Corbin, and I'd watched Harvey Corbin for, and he he's a was a very nice guy. Yeah. But when we get get to the end, uh, you know, after all this shit, I don't think the punchline's gonna <laughs> come up to. It. But anyway, we get to the <laughs> we get to the 18th hole. Way to sell it. Yeah, I get up to the 18th hole, and we can we're there, and and we're about to tee off on the 18th fairway, and at the end of that, you know, all the the ninth and the 18th fairways always end at the country club yes because that's the last so the 19th want... hole. so right so we were there um and, and he looks up there and he says bill see that do you see that country club up there and i said yeah he said there's vodka in there <laughs> <laughs> there's vodka in there there's vodka in there very nice and i thought that was pretty funny oh that's good but, um, that's good. Well, I was only asking because you know, well that was, but that's, but that was you at the store. I'm talking about going from Kansas to Iowa oh about the, the oh yeah 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 yeah. Like I didn't that. answer your story. You're talking well, about here's what happened. Eating alone here's in what, restaurants, you know. All right. Well, here's what happened. Uh, you know, the, the comedy store happened, and and then it got to be on Tonight Show and comedians and stuff, and then other places in other cities like. Chicago yes. and Atlanta and my, you know, my, just these different towns, yep. somebody there, Cleveland, Cleveland had a comedy club right almost from the beginning. I mean, the improv franchised. <clears throat> and then, yeah, and then the improvs kind of started coming out, but it, it, right in the beginning, it was like all these comedy clubs started opening up all on Toledo and all these things. So I was never a road comic and i define that yeah. as a guy who's permanently on the road driving in his car on the road from gig to gig yeah i really never did that i had a gig i would fly there sometimes i would have a gig here and then fly to another place but you were never nearby. on tour i was never a road I comic no okay. i thank god 
Now, my friend Bruce Baum used to draw, because he had so much shit he'd carry with him. <laughs> he would, uh, and by the way, Bruce is going to be a guest on our show here in the <laughs> upcoming episodes. I'll save this clip. Yeah. Uh, he used to drive, I mean, he had would go with a guy, because he had like a, like a guy that would help him with his props, and or a son later on. And he would drive, you know, well, I'm going to Chicago, and he'd get in the car and drive to Chicago. And I could never do that. I was just, uh, I, I didn't like, but I've been, you know, I have been everywhere. I've gotten to the point now, I think I might have told you this before, but I can identify the silhouette of a lot of cities. Really? The skyline? This, if you show me the, yeah, the skyline. If you show me a silhouette of a city, mm-hmm. I can sometimes tell you more often than not uh, what that city is. Yeah. Okay. But I've been to Indianapolis. I've been everywhere. I've been as far north as up in the upper peninsula of Michigan. I've been to Canada. I've been to Moose Jaw, Canada. Uh, No UP, that was for the film? That was for your uh, your film? No, no, just on gigs. No, we we didn't go that far north for the film. Um, uh, I mean, I've been to Vancouver. I mean... Everywhere I've been, it was, it was down in Australia for two months once. Wow! But I've been, I've been just about everywhere, and I think that's important. I mean, this is a big country. People don't realize how big a country this is, and there really are distinct differences. I, I think there's less distinct difference. I mean, there's no such thing as a hick anymore, uh, really. I mean, you know, some guy just doesn't know nothing about because with cable TV and 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 internet and stuff. I mean. People are more aware than they used to be of, of things. I think. Yeah, sure. But they're sure. not. A rising tide raises it's, all boats, but there are still it, rednecks. Well, yeah, but 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 at least they're informed rednecks, <laughs> and and they know, they you know they're not uh, they're not cut off from the world. Let's put it that way. Uh-huh. I got gotcha. you. They not not cut off from the world, and they kind of know things and stuff. It's, it's been. I, I remember one time I went to a. a Little, it was, uh, let me see, what was in there? It was in Ohio, and it was this little town. It was like Mayberry, and I went into <laughs> the uh, Mansfield, Mansfield, Ohio. Oh, no shit. I used to yes. work in Mansfield. No, you know, it's a great little town, actually. No, it's uh, they, <laughs> they have a They have a carousel yes. downtown. Yep. Yep. And be- because the carousel company is like right outside, I guess they decided, hey, let's have a carousel. And, it, and it's a great addition. I've tried to talk to people here and where I live here in, in Texas, uh, yeah. this town I live in, doing that, but they think I'm crazy. And I go, well, you know, you just don't know how to put on a fucking show. Anyway, so um, <laughs> they have this, uh, you know, car- anyway, so I'm in Mansfield, Ohio. And I went into this little diner and I walked in. And there were a few people sitting there. And so I went over and I sat down. And they brought me the menu, and they had the you know like the dinner special. It was like either meatloaf or chicken or something else, liver and onions, and and then it came with mashed potatoes and beans and a roll and you know an iced tea or a coke huh. and a dessert. And it was like three ninety nine, <laughs> and I thought That's... now this was back in the eighties. Even then, I thought three ninety nine. Right. Mike, and even this was like in L.A. where you couldn't get a hamburger for less than ten bucks. Now it's probably twenty. Yeah. But I was like three ninety nine. I was suspicious of this food. <laughs> I thought, what are they going to give me for three ninety nine? 
And you know what? They rolled out a pretty damn good dinner. Yeah. And I was, uh, but see, that's the difference between, so what I'm trying to say is, you know, there's a big difference between living in LA yes. and living in out in the middle of the country where you can get a nice meal for three ninety nine. Up in, in fact, I was watching because one of our reality shows, they take place in Missoula, Montana. Yeah. And I used to do these uh, Budweiser tours with this guy that had a thing with Budweiser. Uh-huh. And we were doing, years ago, it was me, George Miller, and Stephen Wright. Oh. Who, who Stephen Wright, if you guys don't, it's, he's hilarious. Yeah. Absolutely hilarious. Still around. Still, and what you see with Stephen is, is what you get. Doing comics Maybe we come can home not too, uh, not too far in the future, I think. Oh, yeah. He's, he's, he's very, anyway. anyway. So it was me. And George Miller and and Stephen Wright. And we had done this show, I think it was like in a Holiday Inn. And we'd done the show, a lot of people showed up. I think it's a college town, if I'm not mistaken. So we, I mean, you know, George Miller, if you remember George Miller, George was like a big baby Huey kind of guy. He was just a, a big kid was what he was. And Stephen Wright is Stephen Wright. Yes. I mean, he's kind of out there. And uh, and me, I, did, I, I don't know how to define me but i was the odd man out i was kind of in charge let's put it that way so we're, <laughs> we're in our back in our room we're back and we had this big suite and everything and the door not not comes the door i go i open up the door and there's three cowgirls standing there cowgirls cowgirls with uh jeans and hats and blonde hair i think one has some daisy dukes on and they both had a bottles of champagne in their hands like costumed as cowgirls no 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 this no, was no, no, just no. their regular real cowgirls oh real cowgirls okay real okay, cowgirls okay. no irony no this is missoula i i no, i'm with real you now cowgirls i'm with you now yeah and they say something to the effect of ha we thought you boys want to get drunk jesus <laughs> and Normally, I would go, oh, ye fucking yeah. hot. So, okay, yeah. <laughs> so I invited him in. They came in. And, you know, George Miller is not what you would call a lady. <laughs> 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 and Stephen Wright, eh, Stephen, I think, was scared. <laughs> Well, that's his whole act. That was his whole, his whole demeanor yeah. was just from being yeah. terrified. Yeah, yeah. And, well, you know, he used to have that joke. He said, do you ever lean back in a chair and you almost fall backwards, but you don't and you catch it? <laughs> I feel like That's that the way I feel all the time. time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very funny joke. God. Anyway, so um, so these girls come in, and I'm thinking, well, what, one of two things is going to happen. Right. Either nothing's going to happen, or I'm going to end up with all three of them. Because right. <laughs> <laughs> George, George was – George and, and – and George had no problem with just saying, but anyway, so these good, and we start watching some TV, and these girls were the most annoying, loudmouth, oh, no. just crass, loudmouth bitches. <laughs> I never, terrible. I, terrible. I think ending. they were, and they wouldn't shut up. Oh. They just, and it wasn't like, hey, can I dance naked for you? It was just, uh, so at one point <laughs> i remember we were all sitting on this big couch i stood up and go okay well it's time for you girls to go yeah <laughs> and, and they looked at me like 
what? And I said, yeah. yeah. She said, well, we just got here. I said, yeah, I think it's time to go. I said, thank you. And I, and they were just, what? What? And I said, yeah, you take this. And George didn't drink, so he wasn't interested in the champagne. Huh. And I don't think Stephen drinks. And I'm not at the time. You know, I, I don't drink. I don't not drink, double negative. Right. But no, I, I understand, uh, yeah. Um, but I would not. It's not an attraction to me. Yeah. And they weren't that good looking. <laughs> I was going to put a, I mean, they were all right. But I just said, that's it. And I just kicked them. Not literally, but eased them out. Okay, girls, time to go. Yeah. Okay, goodbye, goodbye. And shut the door. Oh. And when I shut that door, I turned around and looked at it. And we just, all three of us just started laughing our <laughs> fucking asses off. <laughs> George can't George says and years later he George said to me, I remember you kicking those three girls. <laughs> I said, George, I had enough of it. He said that was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. <laughs> he used to say to me, I kiss remember you kicking them girls. <laughs> oh that's <laughs> great. Yeah. Jesus but, oh, God, to answer your great. question, yeah I I I traveled a lot i mean i i wish i had a dollar for every motel room i've stayed in thank god they're all basically the same right <laughs> you know yeah the big room the hallway and then the bathroom to the left yes the american or the standard right. unit of lodging yeah, yeah right right yeah right. i had a place once um i was in milwaukee um which is another one of my in fact i lived there i lived there once oh my dad um was in the army, as I've said before, and for some reason we were stationed in Milwaukee at a Nike missile base down along the water of what I think was, I guess, Lake Michigan. Yeah. And um, they, there was a miss, missile yeah, base there. Yeah. I think they were afraid. Evidently, they sent my dad to a couple of places where they were afraid the Russians were coming over the North Pole, I think is what it was. Mm. There, and then we ended up up in Alaska at the Kenai Peninsula. And they had a big radar station up there waiting for the Russians to come across the Aleutian Islands oh, or something. Right. Anyway, going back to Milwaukee. You can see them from oh, yeah. the backyard. So, yeah, so I, I was doing a show for some bank or something. I got in a corporate show. And it was at this old hotel. I don't know what it was, the name of it. But they gave me the presidential suite. Ooh. And it was kind of, it needed kind of an updating. But it was one of the nicest. It was like a big, huge apartment, like two bedrooms and a huge bathroom. The bathroom was like some sort of had a huge tub in it with a jacuzzi uh -huh. and all these mirrors and all this. I was just one of the biggest bathrooms. It's like a king from Egypt would have this bathroom. And of course, it was just me. And I remember running around naked, taking pictures for my wife, saying, I wish you were here. <laughs> But it was uh, much, much more than I needed. I've always wanted, I've never had um, one of those big suites in Vegas. You know, the, if you're really a high roller, they give you these beautiful oh, yeah, suites. Right. Two-story suites with your own swimming pool and and all that. Just opulence. Just nothing but, like, decadence yeah, bit, and ridiculous. Yeah, a bit too much. Oh, crazy. I, I wouldn't know what to do with myself. Hey, I got a story for you I just thought about. <laughs> so we're in Vegas. And my friend Ross Schaefer, who hosted the uh, Joan Rivers show for a little bit after she left yes. and uh, on Fox years ago, and he was a host of the match game. He's one of the nicest guys I know. I mean, he's one of my good friends. He's, he's pretty normal. He's intelligent. He does a lot of speaking. for. He speaks a lot on uh, 
customer service he does for companies okay. and stuff. All right. Makes a good living. He's always, you know, he's got a lot of hair. I always kid him about his fucking hair. Uh, but he was, um, we were in Las Vegas. Yes. And he says, um, hey, let's go see this guy that I know. Uh, he's at the Sands. He's a hypnotist. And I forget what the guy's name was. I think uh, he was he was kind of famous for a while. I think Letterman had him on. He was like the world's fastest hypnotist or something. Mm-hmm. I forget what he, he used to wear these sunglasses and stuff. And um, I forget what his name was. was but a, we go see this Frank, guy. Was it? No. I could probably look him up, hmm. but it's it's uh, it's better I don't know his name. All right. Uh, so we go see this guy, and I don't know if you've seen many hypnotist shows. Have you ever seen a hypnotist show? Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. Oh, well, people love them. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, people love hypnotist shows, uh, and really, just between you and me, and anybody that's smart enough to listen to this podcast, it's it's really bullshit. <laughs> What they should do is call it an intimidation show. Yeah. Because what they really do... Now, there is such a thing as hypnotism, but it's a clinical thing, and it's done by people that know what the hell they're doing. Uh, What this is is uh, peer pressure and intimidation. And if you've ever been to a hypnotist show, uh, and I don't know. I don't find them that entertaining. I don't think making people cluck like a chicken... (laughs) Or act like their dick just fell all off right. is is all that fucking hilarious. Oh, so to right. me, it's kind of you know. But here's what happens: uh, usually, large groups of people will go, and some of the idiots from that group of people will get up on stage. But if you ever notice, here's how it works: they'll start with, if, depending on the size of the stage, they'll start with 14 people. Yes. They'll start with 14 or 15 people, and they they'll get them up on stage, and then what they do is they they. They do know how to learn to see who will... Now, when they say you're suggestible... Now, here, I want, I want you to take your arm and, and, and raise it yeah, up. Yeah, sure. Okay, you're suggestible. Right. Because I told you what to do, and you did it. Right. <laughs> That's what's called... So they look for For whatever people, motivation I'm helping you prove. Whatever the motivation... They don't it. care what your motivation yes. is or what they... If I say raise your arm, you'll raise your arm. Hey, That's what they look for. And so they have this... And they always spend about 45 fucking minutes dealing with these people... Trying to see who's gonna play along, uh-huh. and they and, and and if you notice, they throw. Okay, you can go sit down. Okay, you you, you can go sit yep. down, and and they'll start throwing out people that they sense are not going along with the fucking program, and then they will come over and and sometimes you'll see them whispering to him. Now they're not they're not whispering hocus pocus boogie woogie. Yep. They're going do whatever the fuck I tell you. Don't do anything else. Okay, <laughs> that's what they, that's what they'll do. It's like go, jury selection. Don't fucking yeah yeah yeah. They'll just whisper in there. Do whatever, and they'll say that they'll do whatever the fuck I say to do. You do it, okay? Just do what I fucking say. Do do what I, and they'll, they'll say fuck. Wow. They'll do whatever the fuck I tell you. So you do it, and they'll smile. So you think they're giving them a little? Do do whatever the fuck I say. <laughs> just do it. Do it, okay? Don't don't just do whatever the fuck I say. Yeah. And and people will do it. They'll go along. They'll act like they're hypnotized. And, they do, and some of them really get into yeah. it. And then they get up and act like a chicken, or they try to. You know, fuck air or whatever. They, <laughs> the 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 more the more entertaining ones are the dirty hypnotist shows. Yes. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen a dirty hypnotist I, show. Sure, I. But have. they're X-rated. Yep. The guys pull out dildos and fuck dolls, and mm-hmm. you know, it's it's just a dirty version, which I think is actually far more entertaining than the regular one. <laughs> but they do this, 
and 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 it really and finally they'll get whittled down. So anyway, we go see one of these hypnotists. And uh, oh, no. at the end, what he did, which was a classic ending, he would get a girl, and he would put her between two chairs, her head on one end of the chair, her feet on the other end, and then they put another one underneath her ass to hold her. And then he'd hypnotize her, booga, 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 and get her to lay down. And then he'd pull the middle chair out, and she was sitting with this, you know, with her head on one chair and her feet on the other. Yes. And then he would get up and stand on, stand on her. Yeah. And ta-da, end of the show. And this guy says to us, he says, uh, which he said to every audience, I will pay $100,000 to prove, if anybody proves that I'm uh, a fraud or that any of this is set up for any of this, I'll pay. I don't know what it was. It was a lot of money. Yes. So I watched the show, and I've, you know, I've seen these guys before. So, uh, you know. so he says to Ross and I, he says, hey, you want to come over to our house? And uh, and we weren't doing anything. And, I, and Ross says, oh, sure, sure, we'll cover our house. So we go outside. This guy's got himself a big Lamborghini or something or whatever. Um, and we followed him to his, his house, not, not too far away. And we get out, and it's like one of these, it's like a mansion. It's like kind of a mansion. You walk in with the big stairs and everything. Yep. So uh, uh, like the Beverly Hillbillies. It kind of looked like that. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You open it. I wasn't, property wasn't that big, but the, it was like a thing with big stairway with the thing and thing. And I walk in. Like a too much money I, situation. Like you don't know. I don't know. I guess he was making money. I'll remember his name here. Um, and I go over. I walk in. I walk down the thing. Oh, this is a beautiful place. I turn around. I look down into the kitchen. And I see that fucking girl that he was standing on in the show, uh-huh. making herself a, a sandwich. Uh-huh. <laughs> she had beat us to the thing there. And I thought, wait a minute. I think I'm going to make myself $100,000. <laughs> so um, he comes in and he goes, oh, yeah, that's uh, that's Mary. She's been to like 100 of my shows. Act like she was. Uh, and I said, I don't know. I didn't really call him on it because, you know, it was a guess. So we go and sit down. It was, it was like sitting there. You want to be like Elvis, you know, holding court. And stuff. Right. So we go in there. We sit down and we talk to him. And there was no pot smoking or anything. I think we had drinks or something. Right. He liked to talk about himself a lot. And then he finally says to us, he says, um, you know, I have a tiger. <laughs> and Ross and I look at each other and look at him. He goes, I said, you have a tiger? A tiger. He goes, yeah. He said, yeah, I have a pet tiger. <laughs> and I said. It's a big uh, litter box. Yeah. I said, why? He goes, man, I have a tiger. I said, he says, do you believe me? I says, I don't know. He said, uh, well, you want to see it? And I said, <laughs> well, what is it, in a cage? out?" He goes, no, it just wanders the house. Oh, Christ. He said, you want to go? He said, you just go upstairs. I said, <laughs> I said, what? I said, what? So the thing is, I never really did find out whether he had a tiger or not. What? I'm thinking he didn't, but he was fucking with me. Oh. But he might have. I don't know. But I, I left the house that night thinking this guy's full of bullshit. This is the Kirkenbauer Half an Hour to the Second Power with Bill Kirkenbauer and Jason Wilway. Post-production by Chad Watson. Sponsored by ClearClick and CAD Audio, a Legends of Comedy production.